Book Club podcast. My name is James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Welcome back, Marco. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing well. This week on the pod, we're talking about chapters 51 through 55 of Snow Crash. Big events happening here, really getting to the climax, so to speak. Quite literally. Yeah, I was going to say, this is like finally to like one of the scenes I most memorably you know, had lingering in my memory from reading this 15 years ago. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's really, just... really get into the, get into the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, chapter 51. Should, yeah. Before we start that, the mention, um, our book is out. By the time you hear this, our book will be available to read on ebook or print or like uh, paperback or hardcover. Uh, it's about a girl named trouble. who's a teen detective. This one's called my or this one's called uh, troll takes a holiday first one is called my name is trouble you can go to my name is trouble.com to learn more about the series the third book is out uh it's a, it's a big one it's a big tome kind of a double album if you will uh, if you're interested in kind of a veronica mars s mystery it's not very neil stinson-esque at all uh go to my name is trouble.com for more info thank you i'd like to think that if yt and jenny valentine ever met they would try to destroy each other <laughs> yeah probably but in a nice way. Um, yeah, so it means it's been out for a little while. Because we recorded a little bit in advance. Probably not that far in advance. Yeah. All right. Just one week. <sighs> Chapter 51. Chapter 51. The raft is here. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we left off where Hero and his gang were making their way to the raft because land was too far away and they didn't have a lot of fuel left. So they get there. It's pretty bright and lit up from far away, but... Yeah, like how it um, describes it, uh, a dozen searchlights and at least that many lasers are mounted on the towering superstructure of the Enterprise, weaving back and forth against the clouds like a Hollywood premiere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, vast matted tangle of small boats that radiates a murky cloud of yellow. There's patches of the raft that are burning. Um, Not a cherry bonfire type of thing, but a high burbling flame with black smoke sliding out of it like you get from a large quantity of gasoline. And uh, gang warfare, maybe, Elliot theorizes. Energy sources, Hero guesses. Entertainment fish, I says. They don't have cable on the fucking raft. I don't know yeah. if we ever follow up on exactly, is this abnormal that there's massive fires going on? Or is this, I don't know, business as usual. It comes up in this that there are movies about the raft. Yeah. Well, we which know I there's, find... there's TV shows, right? There's TV shows and that are like books, I think, pseudo-documentaries. Books. Yeah. But I had to wonder about the movies. Are they like works of fiction? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because YT has mentioned, I think, at some point, like popular culture about the raft. It's like this like topic of fascination. And, mm. you know, it's like this scary, exciting place that you can go where like ninjas are killing people. Yeah. Elliot checks the fuel supply with the dipstick uh, before they get going. It doesn't look good. Fisher's being quiet and respectful right now. It feels like Elliot's in charge. Um, points out that they've already been seen by the raft, either by a couple of hundred or a couple thousand people who are starving. Um, tells them to turn hungry. off. Yeah. yeah, tells them to turn off all lights in the boat, take off their bright orange clothing, even if it means they'll be freezing. Lay low in the decks and don't talk to each other unless necessary. And you just you just get this feeling of just oncoming tension. It's like oh shit, an action scene is about to begin. It's like Vic, Bro. you stay midships with your rifle, wait for someone to hit us with spotlight. Anyone who hits spotlight on us, you shoot it out. You know. Yeah. Hero, your job is to patrol the gunwales. Uh, if you see anyone climb board, you cut their arms off. Yeah, if you see anything that looks like a grappling hook, yeah. Uh, if any boats come up in a few hundred feet of us, sink them. 
Uh, and if you see raft, job, yeah, yeah. And if you see a raft, people coming close with antennas on their head, kill them first because they can talk to others. They're raft gargoyle types, and we'll find out they're very different than normal gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Elliot's going to pilot them around the raft a bit, see if anyone will sell them fuel. He says that they have to board the raft. The first thing they need to do is they need to hire a guide. Yeah, try um, to move across the raft without help. Uh, someone who knows the web, you'll get into a bad situation. What kind of bad situation? Like hanging out or hanging on a rotted out slime covered cargo net between two ships, rocking different ways with nothing underneath except ice water full of plague rats, toxic waste, and killer whales. Jesus. Uh, Fisheye indicates that he's scared, and Hero's just kind of like, good. <laughs> yeah, Fisheye's like, can I go home now? <laughs> uh, Vic says that he, they heard that there was like, some kind of law and enforcement on the raft. Which indicates to Hero that Vix has had enough time to kill. He's seen several movies made about raft life. Um, oh God, I have so many long, long yeah, there's here. I mean, this is from Elliot here, the, the captain. He says, the people on the Enterprise operate in a kind of wrath of God mode, Elliot says. They have big guns mounted on the edge of the flight deck. Big Gatling guns, like a reason, except with larger bullets. They originally put there to shoot down Exocet missiles. They strike with the force of a meteorite. If people act up uh, out on the raft and they make a, they make the problem go away, like not like a, just a murder, right? That's not enough to get their attention, but some sort of rocket duel between rival like gangs, they'll just like blow you away, but like it's too big. Yeah. Um, there's just some incredible passages here. Like uh, suddenly they've been nailed with a spotlight so big and powerful they can't look anywhere near it. Then it's dark again, and gunshot from Vic's rifle is searing and reverberating across the water. Nice shooting, Vic. Fish Eye says. It's like one of them drug dealer boats, Vic says, looking through his magic site. Five guys on it, headed our way. He fires another round. Correction, four guys on it. Boom. Correction, they're not headed our way anymore. Boom. Fireball erupts from the ocean 200 feet away. Correction, no boat. Jesus, you can, it's so cinematic. You can just picture, like, it's like this crazy run as they, like, they approach the raft, you know? Yeah. It's like, they're just, like, getting assaulted by waves here. Um, I... Yeah, picture I actually laughs at that and slashes his thighs. He says, you recording all this, Hero? Uh, no, says Hero, wouldn't come out. Oh, fish ice seems taken aback. Like this changes everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I swear to God, there's like more tension here than like the mm-hmm. filmed version of Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another wave comes in. Vic's got his sniper rifle. Fish ice still has reason. Uh, some of the pirates start to board the ship, having to like swarmed over and climbing over the rail, covered in greasy like oil. Yeah. Grappling- what, how does he describe these guys? Naked except for a thick coating of black grease and a belt with a gun and a knife on it. So it's just these dudes who are all naked, covered in black oil and grease wearing just a knife and they like they're slipping aboard silently like with grappling hooks like trying to yeah. attack them it's it's inhuman uh yeah so one of the pirates tries to bite hero's dick but he's still wearing the motorcycle outfit so the guy just gets a mouthful of bulletproof fabric yeah there's a couple of interesting details here um at one point like they're like there's like a, a zodiac like flying past them and it's like they're shooting at each other and not really hitting and elliot says like save your ammo like you know those uzis won't be able to hit you unless they slow down a bit and you can't hit them either. So they're like taking gunfire this whole time, mm-hmm. but like they're all moving very fast. Um, and then uh, Elliot like shoots a dude who climbed the board and he says, hero, this gun's got three rounds left in it. And I'm saving the last one for you. If any more of these motherfuckers get on board. So here is like, he hasn't been doing his job. You know, he's supposed to be circling, but he stopped just to watch. Cause it's like, Holy shit. Yeah. They start throwing Molotov cocktails aboard. Fish Eye's like mowing down where the Molotov cocktails come from with reason. And then, oh, fucking shit. There's Raven. Uh, we get this this passage. The harpoon darts across 20 feet of open water. The million chip facets of its glass head refract the light and make it look like a meteor. It takes Fish Eye in the back, slices easily through the bulletproof fabric he's wearing under his suit, and comes all the way out the other side of his body. The impact lifts Fish Eye into the air and throws him off the boat. He lands face first in the water, already dead. 
Bye bye fisheye. Yeah, I mean, and the reason this happens is because they get even with all like the crazy combat going on, it's still like pretty dark. But then they get hit with a Molotov cocktail, which like lights up the side of their boat. Suddenly, they're a little more vulnerable there because everybody can see them. And mm-hmm. uh, he describes like um, it's like turning on the kitchen lights in the middle of the night and finding your countertops a swarm with rats, at least a dozen small boats around. And so suddenly they're like, oh, shit, like we're surrounded by like a bunch of dudes. And uh, Hero at one point looks over. He can see, he can see trickles of blood uh, running down from the area where Vic ensconced himself. So their sniper might be out of commission there. And then just this line, mental note, Raven's weapons do not show up on radar. Yeah. Hero looks back in the direction of Raven, but he's already gone. I think the, the term they start using is grease balls. Yeah. They get swarmed yeah. by the grease balls. These just like grease ball dudes just like are swarming them and in Hero, like he's like unloading his nine into them until they fall away. And then like all of a sudden he's just like katana combat. He's just like cutting dudes' heads off and like you know, stabbing them, hitting them in the brain pan. He finally remembers to squeeze it off when he's like cutting into some of these dudes. Mm. He turns again, instinctively parries a knife thrust from another grease ball, raises katana, and snaps it down into his brain pan. Like, yeah, it, I, I don't, I didn't count, but he probably kills like a half dozen people here. Probably mm-hmm. a boat gets wrapped up in a spider web of ropes and cargo nets. No more sign of Raven. Hero wonders if he had a, a contract out on Fisheye, or if he figured he could take out Reason and then let the grease balls handles the rest. Yeah, it's like, uh, and we'll, we'll find out more about that later. But yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, at one point, like after heroes like annihilated a half dozen of these grease balls, the rest of them are like astonished by this and just like jump off the ship because they're like, "Holy shit!" This dude at the katana is just like cutting people's heads off. Yeah, uh, Elliot's disappeared as well. No, not as a control. It's not even on the boat. Um, I think Hero realizes that like they they hit this like web that would, would stretch out in front of them to slow them down. And yeah. that was when um, Elliot had been like hitting the fire with the fire extinguisher. And then like, he just fell right off. Like he just went in the water and it's like, we, I don't think we ever find out what happens to Elliot. He's just like, bye-bye. You know? <laughs> maybe you died immediately. Maybe you swam to the raft and made you know. it somewhere. Yeah. Well, the, the description of the, the water below just filled with plague rats. And it's, it, it's very evocative and similar to like what I imagine the water with the grease balls swarming in it looks yeah. like. Well, and I uh, think so- him, at some point here, he realizes that um, they're in like a basically a like a trap, like a blind. Um, it's a, they're surrounded by all these like nice looking yachts, but they're empty hulks stripped of their engines and everything else. They're like duck decoys in front of, front of a hunter's blind. A hand painted sign rides on a buoy nearby, reading fuel in English and a bunch of other languages. And so like all the other boats are like further out, like they're not going in because this is like the territory of like the grease balls. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is all like a fake fuel depot and everything they set up to like lure ships in so that they can attack them. And they like rode right into it. I was gonna say it's a Mad Max ship, but it's really some water world shit. Yeah. Um, I think at one point here, hero, um, he doesn't think it'd be wise to take the boat back to over uh, open water, even if he could get out. And he sees the reason, uh, like snow crash, there's like a fatal error on it that needs to be rebooted. Yeah. So oh, and, and he realized, when he does see that Vic got hit by one of the machine gun bursts and is dead. So yeah, realize he's surrounded by the raft on all sides. Now he's got to get onto the raft to escape. So he grabs the boat's dinghy, which is like the smallest size of an inflatable Zodiac. And as before he goes, he hears a voice say, "I go with you." It's the Filipino cabin boy who says, "I'll I be your guide." And then he starts speaking in Falabala. Yeah. So Ira didn't need a guide. Um, and the kid's like very calm and matter of fact about the whole thing. It's like, well, even hanging out with pirates. So yeah. Then chapter 52 is DTF chapter 52 YT chapter. I mean, 
I don't know. I I don't know if we should like have a conversation about this or not. Like YT is 15, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. old Raven is. He seems like he's at least 30. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's may make some people a little uncomfortable reading here. YT is very much into it, but at the same time, she's we're very much yeah. in her perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, Neil Stevenson is a white male writer writing about this. So whatever it's, it, it happened. Um, White tea, uh, she's been waiting so long, she thinks the sun must have come up, but now she knows it can't be really more than a few hours. Uh, eventually, well, because he, he left her in that bizarre yeah. bar. Yeah. I remember when I first, like, when, when I was reading this earlier, I was like, was that when he went to go, um, like, deal with the the, the initial BIPs? big wigs and whatnot? Yeah. But no, it's, 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 like, all happening, like, concurrently, you know? There's no yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of, we're synced up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So suddenly Raven is standing in front of her. Wearing different clothes, wet, slippery clothing made out of animal skins or something. His face is red and wet from being outside. You get all your job done? Uh, sort of, Raven says. I did enough. What do you mean enough? I mean, I don't like being called out on a date to do some bullshit work, Raven says. So I got things in order out there, and my attitude is let, the, let his gnomes worry about the details. So Raven did exactly that. It's like, oh, I went and took out like the big gun, and then I'm out of here. It's L- just lucky for Hero. <laughs> It's fascinating to think like, I mean, I guess the, the closest like El Bob Rife is kind of portrayed as almost like a like a James Bond villain. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what if Jaws from the James Bond movies was like just trying to get laid? Yeah, he's the world's like, biggest badass. Hold on. I got There's like a fucking double O agent. I got to go deal with this guy real quick. We'll be back in a yeah. second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah oh, says, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, baby. Let's get out of here. He says, speaking of the intense, strained tones of a man of an erection. Yeah, I was just going to read that. Um, so she's like, he wants to go to the core and she's like, well, you know, um, yeah, he does. What's there. He's like, Oh, everything, you know, most of these people, he waves his hand around the raft. Can't go there. I can want to see it. Sure. Why not? She says, hating herself for sounding like such a sap, but what else is she going to say? I mean, I don't know. I suppose there is, she's consenting through this whole thing, but like, not only is she underage, but it's also like, does she, can she say no? Like what happens if she did say no? You know, she's not saying no because she figures. Like, she might as well go along with this, but yeah. Well, what's interesting, too, is I think there is the little bit of thread that she's still curious white tea looking mm-hmm. for intel. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he mentions that the people who run the run this place are at the core. So she asks why he's different. He says that he's an Aleut. And she's like, no, like, why aren't you a Falabala? And he mentions that, you know, the Aleuts do surfing on waves to get by. And she's like, oh, that's I, I do something similar, except that I surf on cars. And so we get this this kind of passion and like, see, the world's full of things more powerful than us. But if you can know how to catch a ride, you can go places, he says. And she's like, right, I'm totally hip to what you're saying. I like this little exchange where he says, she's like, oh, yeah, I surf in traffic. He says, we don't do this for fun. It's part of how we live. We go from island to island surfing on waves. And she's like, yeah, you know, same here, except I surf from one franchise to the next on cars. Like, it's like, I don't know. She's like, no, take me a little more seriously. You know, like, I'm not just a dumb kid. Right, right. Which I think it's clear he's still kind of, sees her as such mm-hmm. he um, sees her as a piece of ass i mean yeah yeah he's not really trying to get to know her all that no well. no definitely not but he talks about how this is what he's doing at the orthos he agrees with some of their religion but not all of it but it, it has moved its move has a lot of power and they have a lot of people and money and ships and she's like oh so you're surfing on it he's like yeah and she's like that's cool i can relate like what are you gonna do like, i mean like what's your what's your real goal so she's like do you mean short term long term he says his long-term goal is possibly to nuke America, depending on what kind of mood he's in. Yeah. What about medium term then? A few hours, the raft comes apart, Raven says. We're headed for California, looking for a decent place to live. 
some people might try to stop us. It's my job to help people make it safe and sound up onto the shore. Uh, so you might say I'm going to war. Oh, that's a shame. She mumbles. So it's hard to think of anything besides the here and now. Yeah, I know. I rented a nice room to spend my last night in, Raven says. It's got clean sheets. Not for long, she thinks. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they, girl. they kiss and she's surprised at how warm his lips are. The whole, how warm his whole body is. He like just lifts her she, up off the body. She'd be like cold like a fish. Yeah. Yeah. She's afraid he'll take her to some horrible place, but he's like rented out this like whole shipping container, which is like what passes for a luxury room on the raft. Um, She's trying to decide what to do with her legs, which are now dangling uselessly. She's not quite ready to wrap them around him, not this early in the day. Well, it's like she's she's thinking that, but it's like clearly this date is going exactly one place that Raven is driving it to. Yeah. She feels them spreading apart, way, way apart. Raven's thighs must be bigger around than his waist. Yeah. Basically, like positions her like up on one of his knees so that she's kind of like pinned to him like her body is and her arms and legs are free to move, but she can't really go anywhere, you know. What there's there's, there's it's the line here, she rocks forward to get away from it, but there's nowhere to go except into his body. There's some some stimulation there. Yeah, you sure. Yeah. 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 She can't help letting out a yelp that turns into a moan and then she knows he's got her because she never makes noises during sex. But this time she can't help it. Uh, once she's decided, once that, she's decided she... that she's impatient to get on with it. So, I mean, you know, is this is can can any 50 year old girl, girl consent, you know, and also is this full consent? I mean, it's like in her mind, she's thinking, oh, yeah, I want to do this. But like what would happen if she was like, no, stop, you know, like we never really find out that. I don't really know if there's there's a uh, if this if factors into it, but she has been sexually active before for boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's not, um, it's not like she's inexperienced. Yeah, yeah, and again, not that it matters because we're reading this with with our our mm-hmm. way of looking at things. Who knows what the fuck the age of consent is in in this fractured world? Yeah, I mean, in does the it early depend 90s, on? Does it change like depending on what street you're on in this world? I remember. Do you remember that Great Balls of Fire movie with like Dennis Quaid that came out in the early '90s? I remember I never saw it. Or like, because he like marries his like niece or something. who's like 12 or something. Yeah. And like, the, I, I remember watching that on like cable TV when I'm like, you know, probably 10 years old or something like that. And like, it's like their wedding night. And he like, he kind of like stops in the middle of it. And he's like, you don't move like a virgin. And then he like storms off like oh. angry. And it's like, I, at least in my mind, like, I don't know, maybe adults are like, this is like scandalous and gross. In my mind, it didn't seem super abnormal it was kind of like it was like looked down upon to like be with somebody that young but i don't like i, I feel like it's not the same as it is now but i mean very much just like no that is pedophilia you know well the 80s you could you could do a long list yeah. of movies that I mean, you know you know blame it on rio back overboard back to the future oh God, yeah blame it on rio yeah yeah holy yeah. shit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he's holding her body. She can't move. She starts to go to work on his ear, knowing that usually does a trick. Oh, she he, he, she can't move until she makes him yeah. let her move. So she's like giving him this like wet willy. Yeah. yeah. Raven. Yeah, she tries to go uh, get away from her. Raven trying to run away from something. She likes that idea. So she, she at least thinks that she has some sort of control or power here. You know, uh, she finally yeah. shoves her tongue into his ear canal. He bucks and grunts like he's just been harpooned. Lifts her up uh, off his leg, kicks the chair across the room so hard it cracks against the steel wall of the shipping container. Uh, with great erotic detail, she describes taking off the coverall and then this passage. There's something she's supposed to be remembered at this point, something that she has to take care of, something important. One of those dreary duties that always seems so logical when you think about it in the abstract and at moments like this seems so utterly beside the point that it never occurs to you. It must be something to do with birth control or something like that. But YT is helpless with pass, so she has an excuse. 
So she squirms and kicks her knees and under the cover on her panties have slid down to her ankles. Yeah, he does this move where he like grabs it like the zipper of her coverall at the collar and just like yanks it all the way down, like in one clean move, all the way down to the crotch. Yeah, so Raven gets completely naked in about three seconds. Uh, she, she doesn't see his cock, but she doesn't want to. What's the point, right? Which like, I don't know. This this is one of those, it's like, this is this is a man writing, trying to come across like a, a woman would think i don't know I, I wonder what if any research stevenson did for this you know like trying to get inside the head of like what what is a teenage girl thinking about you know That'll this is where up. this is where i as a writer i'm like and then you know pan to the fireplace you know oh you're a fade to black guy huh i uh, mean yeah. i don't know there's it's like do do i really want to try to this is just me personally you know maybe i'm not brave enough as a writer but do i want to try to get into the mind of like you know the erotic life of a 15 year old girl yeah 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 yeah. Uh, her detail that his skin is smooth like hers like a mammal that swims through the sea i mean but also i think i think he's kind of fucking with us a little bit oh, this is all raven this is, is a all bad guy punchline yeah no this yeah. is this is this whole scene is building up to this punchline that's right about to happen here yeah um so she, she does something she's never done before it comes as soon as he goes into her which like i feel like that only ever happens in books i read yeah <laughs> Or it movies. happens like with the bizarre frequency, like in a, like a Sarah J. Moss book or something like that, you know, or like some Raylo fanfic. It's like it's amazing how these women are always coming instantly with these dudes. It's um, amazing these women get to come. Yeah, these guys can come. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's like a bolt of lightning, and she just like screams. She rips. She just rips one end out, out. Raven's probably deaf now, which is his fucking problem. She goes limp. So does he. <laughs> right now, she's content to lie underneath him and suck on the out the warmth of his body. Raven seems content too, uncharacteristically so. Talk about bliss. Most guys would already be flipping through channels on the TV. Not Raven. He's content to lie here all night, breathing softly on her neck. As a matter of fact, he's gone to sleep on top of her, like something a woman would do. Um, and so she's kind of just thinking about like her surroundings, this place on the raft. Like she never would have figured it existed, but there's like rich people and poor people out here on the raft too. And she's like in this luxury area, and you know, like a like a mid-priced business hotel in the valley. She says. Mm-hmm. And then we get this kind of interesting perspective. Remind me a little bit of uh, the editing and out of sight where we're jumping between the seduction and the sex scene mm-hmm. where she's going to kind of flash back to like the walk up to this room. Uh, she's thinking about the armed guard they passed to get there, how they just kept their eyes on Raven. Um, it was, it was a, the walk got nicer. Not so it many Chinese smell li- like shit quite so much. Not so many Chinese ladies carrying gigantic bundles of fish on their backs. Yeah. Saw a helicopter in one of the core ships had a logo on it. Rife advanced research enterprises rare. Um, what she remembers is the people who got her to deliver the envelope to the Fed building. It's so fitting she, now. She sees it. Oh, it's all connected, you know. The Feds, El yeah. Bob Rife, Reverend Wayne. Yeah. She she asked Raven about it in like her flashback here. Uh, and, uh, you know, he says that these guys all work for El Bob Rife, programmers, engineers, communications people. Rice, an important man, got a monopoly to run. She's like, Rice here, she asked him. Put it on an act, of course. She had figured it out by that point. Shush, she said. Uh, it's a nice piece of intel. Here, I should like it if she can just get it to him. And even that's going to be easy. She never thought there'd be metaverse terminals here on the raft, but on this ship, there's a whole row of them uh, so that, uh, that visiting suits can call back civilization. All she has to do is get to one without raking up Raven, which should be tricky. Which could be tricky. Uh, it's too bad she couldn't drug him with something like in the raft movies. That's when the realization comes. It hits her. The thing she was trying to remember earlier it was not earth control. It was not a hygiene thing. It was her dentata, the last line of personal self-defense along with Enzo's dog tags. The one piece of stuff that the Orphos didn't take because they didn't 
they didn't take it. They didn't believe in cavity searches. Yeah, like which this, means I, I feel like this everything with YT and Raven has all been building up to this one big punchline. YT has mentioned her dentata several times throughout the book, and you're always kind of like, like the first time reader, like, what is that exactly? I don't, you know, like, what, what, what do you mean by a dentata? You know, but now mm-hmm. we find out that it's a piece of like I don't know anti-rape uh, technology that she has. Uh, that I guess is removable uh, from her mm-hmm. body, uh, which means that uh, the moment Raven entered her, a very small hypodermic needle slipped imperceptibly into his engorged frontal vein of his penis, automatically shooting a cocktail of powerful narcotics and depressants into his bloodstream. Raven's bar- been harpooned in the one place he least expected it. Now he's going to sleep for at least four hours. And then, boy, is he ever going to be pissed. So he <laughs> that's why he's been laying there the whole time uh, as soon as he entered her, because he's been you know, rendered unconscious by her dentata. Yeah, the 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 thing that the Chekhov's vaginal defense mechanism that we've been hearing about the entire book. I mean, to me, this is brilliant in a way because when I think of cyberpunk books, which again I don't really read, they all feature guys who are kind of like hero, and girls who I imagine are like, I don't know, uh, Trinity from the Matrix, sure, like just sure. cool chicks and yeah, like yeah. tight vinyl leather who like just say cool badass things. Mm-hmm. And it's like I think the first revolution is like, what if I had a really spunky, smart, like like as close to realistic as I can, like like you know, like a teenage girl. And then if I had, I this mean, fucking... in this book, YT has always had a self confidence that part of it's just her character. You know, she's like the spunky fifteen year old who thinks she's indestructible, but like. I suppose at least part of that is she does have this, you know, personal defense mechanism, this technology so that um, if anyone tries anything on her, they're going to find things out the hard way that like, you know, they're, they're incapacitated. Although that wouldn't necessarily be very fun to have to go that far for someone to, um, you know, like if somebody's like attacking you, it's like, well, you know, right in the worst case scenario, they'll be knocked unconscious, but. I suppose she has other, you know, weapons as well to try. Yeah, to... I mean, I said the whole book, she's she's cataloged mm-hmm. like her yeah. many, many weapons. And this was always like the last resort. So, of course, it's the first thing she forgets when mm-hmm. she's actually enjoying herself. Um, so, yeah, 53. Would it be a good thing if we had this technology? I mean, I can't see why it would be a bad thing. I think women should probably talk about that more. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, it makes sense. I, I mean, I hate that we have to live nothing, in a world where they would, they would need it. But, yeah. yeah. Well, that, right. I mean, that's the problem too. Is again, you know, we don't we don't talk to other men about yeah. how they shouldn't think and talk a certain way. Sure, we we warn women about protecting themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fifty three. It starts with you know he remembers Elliot's warning: don't go on the raft without a local guide. So the kid's name is Transubstantiation. There's a a short name for that, but it's also a slur for something else. So we can just call him Transubstantiation. Yeah. Uh, uh, he risked turning on a small flashlight and used it to rummage around the yacht, picking up valuable stuff, a few bottles of presumably drinkable water, some food, extra ammo for his nine. Uh, takes one of the grappling hooks and like cools it up. It's like, I don't know, this is totally like you've just completed like a, a big fight and now you're looting up. You know, <laughs> you're like gathering supplies before your next mission in a video game, you know? Yeah, so it's a video game scene for mm-hmm. sure. Um, here talks about he grew up in places that had mice or rats and you had to learn how to take care of them. And he had bad luck. You'd set up traps and you'd hear one snap shut in the middle of the night. And then you're thinking like, oh, it's it's done. That's dead. But you'd hear thrashing and whining of the mouse he had to go take care of. Yeah, so now uh, Hero has to take some care of something. He's not looking forward to, but it's a chore he has to do. Uh, yeah. So more than anything, and he wants to get in the Zodiac, get away from this uh, person because he hears somebody thrashing around the boat. He's not dead. 
but he knows that in order to go help him to put him out of his misery, he's going to have to shine the flashlight on him. When he does, that's good. He's going to see something he'll never be able for, to forget. This yeah. is the last guy that Hero shot. Yeah. But he so didn't finish the job. He swallows a couple times, so he's already got that gagging reflex coming. He follows the flashlight beam up the bow. It's much worse than he expected. This man apparently took a bullet somewhere around the bridge of his nose, aimed upward. Everything above that point has been pretty much blown off. Hero's looking at a cross-section of his lower brain, and something is sticking out of his head. Ugh, it's an antenna. Half, half the guy's brain is gone. He's still babbling a little bit. Yeah, he's still making noise. He's, uh, his voice sounds whistling gaseous like a pipe organ gone bad. Stevenson his pipe organs there. Uh, mm-hmm. because the changes in his skull, but it's just the brainstem function, just a twitch of the vocal cords. There's an antenna, like a foot-long like whip antenna sticking out, like kind of like cops walkie-talkies. It's one of those antenna heads that Elliot warned him about. With with little wires grafted onto his, his skull, into his brain. Um, well, explains by the cool guy. move here where he switches on his goggles in a millimeter wave mode, which is like, this just has such like a video game vibe. Like, you know, it's like, I, I mean, you can basically do this in the cyberpunk game where it's like, it's like you're like scanning mode, you know, where it's like mm. you go into it and like analyze things. Yeah. He's like staring into this guy's brain, like seeing that the antenna is like it's bolted to the top of his skull. But then there's a little wire that goes through and like wraps around the brainstem. Uh, and he, d- he says that it looks like El Bob Reif has figured out a way to make electrical contact with the part of the brain where a share lives. Uh, these words aren't originating here. It's a Pentecostal radio broadcast coming through on his antenna. Is it the one of Keanu? Cyberpunk? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Johnny Silverhands. That game nice. is insane. I almost, I don't know. It's its too big of a thing. Like, I couldn't just say, like, play this for the pod and we'll talk about it because it's, like, fucking a 40-hour game or something. But maybe we, you can watch some cutscenes or something. Keanu is, like, this, like, he's, like, a rock star terrorist. Excellent. It's, like, he has a band. Like, there's, Excellent. like, a lot of, like, rock music in it. He's, like, he's like this rock star band leader who's just, like, you know, every, every rock star cliche you can think of about, like, the hard-drinking hard partying band member but he's also like this anarchist terrorist who like nukes mm-hmm. a building at some point it's like johnny silverhands the most most wanted man in america but he's also a pop star um it's pretty i rad. mean if you can make a dragon show you can make snow crash as a tv show you, mm-hmm. you absolutely could but like at very least go make it a video game i think um there is that cyberpunk game I guess I didn't even know this, but um, it's not it's like the company it's the people who did The Witcher, the video game company. Hmm. They didn't like just make this up like it's some other property called Cyberpunk okay. that I think was like a like a tabletop game from like back in the day or something. It's like this old property and like all hmm. the characters in it actually exist in the game. It's like been this other, you know, IP and different mediums before it's a video game. And Netflix just made. Uh, like a cartoon they released like set in that universe so hmm. maybe we can hmm. watch that i don't know but i mean like just go make the snow crash video game i mean can you imagine the uh, librarian cutscenes? <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, i mean like there'd have to be some sort of like scene. puzzle situation in the librarian scenes you know to discover new information or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know the, uh, it's it's weird in the, the video game world like obviously the that company cd project red has made the witcher that's a property um cyberpunk is a property but like a lot of these games it's like like they don't make um video games for movies anymore really they used to do that a ton when we were kids mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. it'd be Always. like oh yeah. there, here's a robin hood prince of thieves video game or something Fuck, yeah you know but yeah, yeah they, they don't i don't know it's like the game companies all want their own ip or something now and then after now Goldeneye. they're making you know like the last of us and do a tv show oh and i mean like after goldeneye i feel like it just 
What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's just like the development cycle is like too long for a movie or something. Oh. And they eventually went and made like a From Russia with Love game. Which... Yeah. But anyway, um, these antenna guys, this is like real body horror terror type stuff. Just n- not only the fact that he's blown off half this guy's skull, you know, and it's like his brain is all open to the world, but he's like still he's twitching talking. around. Yeah, it's like it's that like that really hits you at a fundamental level of unease you know the, blah, 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 blah. the yeah. idea that he's just like this weird automaton yeah so here goes and gets reason it should shut itself down but it can't because it's snow crash so he packs it up and is surprised by how light it is and he realized that most of the weight was the ammunition and fisheye used quite a bit of it so he he gets uh into the zodiac with tran and discovers that there's no motor he won't be using the motor it would snag really bad and he's so, got reason, which is still trailing this like heat sink behind them. So yeah, it's kind of like he's tooling around with it on this Zodiac here, but he has to stay in the water kind of. Right. Right. Know? And I was like, I was like, why are you even bothering to bring this gun? Thank God they bring this gun because it brings us to an awesome scene to come. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they run through several boats before using the motor. Um, sees all how the boats are attached, realize that they're all neighborhoods that the biggest and where the biggest fear you have is that the other neighborhoods would gang up on you, cut you loose and leave you out in the water to starve. So you're always looking for ways to attach yourself to one another in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, he's, he's on a kind of like beltway that seems to run all the way around the raft. And like, there's like kind of smaller streets and alleys that lead off from this main beltway. And he'll notice that like a lot of these entrances are guarded. You know, you can like, he can cruise around the beltway, but there's like dudes protecting their own neighborhoods. Um, it's like dark pirates of the Caribbean, the ride. Yeah, really. Um, lots of armed guards and Chinese knockoffs of the AK 47. Yeah. Both of them a, look like a indolent third world militia, but at the entrance of one neighborhood here, sees a guard in charge that has a whip antenna sticking straight out of his head. Um, so I, I really wonder, are those, are these whip dudes, do they even have like any autonomy? Like, or are they like brain dead robots basically, you know, like good question. Yeah. Good question. Uh, so they float through the Vietnamese neighborhood. They eventually get to a Filipino neighborhood where Retran is recognized. He gets a hero's like return welcome. Yeah, he they says want- home. He says smiley and then points to a couple of houseboats. And so like it's this, yeah, total hero's welcome. He says he gets the full prodigal son welcome. Crying, hysterical fat ladies, a swarm of little kids piling out of their hammocks, sucking their thumbs, jumping up and down, older men beaming, showing great grabs of back, black uh, splotches in their smiles, watching and nodding and diving in to give them the occasional hug. On the edge of the mob, way back in the darkness, is another wirehead. Uh oh. Yeah. So they want they want here protagonist to join them, but doesn't want to intrude. Um, yeah, it is and, greeted with the utmost shock. Intrude, unthinkable, nonsense. How dare you insult us? This like old dude who looks like a World War II vet. He jumps onto the rocking zodiac, sticks to the floor like a gecko, wraps his arms around Hero's shoulders, and pokes a spliff into his mouth. <laughs> he looks like a solid guy. Hero leans into him. Compadre, who is that guy with the antenna? A friend of yours? Nah. The guy whispers, "He's an asshole." And he puts his fingers to his lips and shushes him. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Like, like Tran here is just like, like who knows how long he's been out at sea on like the pirate boat or whatever, but it's like, he gets, you know, in this little Zodiac and he's like, no, no, I I got this hero. And he just like drives him right back home. He's like, what's up everyone? Yeah. We're we're heroes at least safe. Yeah. Mm Uh, so chapter 54, a one page chapter. I had to look because I'm like reading this on my like ebook first. I'm like, is this a mistake? I wouldn't got to copy the book. I'm like, no, OK, it is short. Yeah. Um. I So I didn't read ahead. I scanned ahead because I didn't want to like I don't wanna, like ruin it too much, you know, by uh-huh. like digesting uh-huh. everything. But um, I think what we can do is 
just the last section will will go right from like chapter I think like sixty six all the way to the end because like mm. there's some short chapters there. Okay. Okay. So I think we've got like three total left. Um, but yeah. yeah, very short chapter here. Go for it. I mean, I could just read the whole chapter. It's that <laughs> <Yeah>. short. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's all in the eyes, along with picking handcuffs, vaulting Jersey bears, and fending off perverts. It's one of those quintessential career skills. Walking around a place where you don't belong without attracting suspicion. You do it by not looking at anyone. Keep those eyes straight ahead no matter what. You don't open them too, too wide. Don't, don't t- look tense. That and the fact that she just came in here with a guy that everyone is scared of gets her back to the container ship to the reception area. I need to use a street terminal, she says. The reception guy, can you charge it to my room? Yes, man, the reception guy says. He doesn't have to ask which room she's in. He's all smiles, all respect. Not the kind of thing you get very often in your career. She could really get to like this relationship with Raven if it weren't for the fact that he's a homicidal mutant. <laughs> she still thinks of him as a mutant. Yeah. Like he's got gills or something, like the Mariner from Waterworld. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to get back to Hero and Tran here and this uh, you know, heartwarming homecoming here. I... I wonder, I don't know anything about Steven's personal life. Like, I kind of wonder, is he like married to a Filipino woman or something? Because like he's in a lot of his books, like Filipino culture in particular is like very lovingly described. Um, I have to think he's, he has like maybe like his best friend is Filipino or something like that. Cause it seems like more than any of the other cultures he covers, he like really knows all about the culture and their ways. And he seems to love it. Like he seems, it's always like this kind of very heartwarming kind of like you know close-knit family vibe like it's always like i feel like whenever you're in a a stevenson book and like you run into like a filipino family it's like it's it's safe and comforting you know you spend a lot of time in the philippines at cryptonomicon right yeah yeah a ton yeah 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 Yeah, so they're having like a a celebratory dinner for tran and uh hero ducks out early drags reason off the zodiac and onto the front porch of the houseboat opens it up jacks his personal computer to its bias uh, computer boots have no problem. He assumes it'll crash again when he needs it most. So he wonders if Ing's security engine has already fixed the bug and come out with a new version of the software. Well, it's interesting. Mind you, he's well, he's been on the water for like two weeks now. Yeah, yeah, probably. And and he's kind of assuming, you know, he needs to make sure Reason works and it won't crash again the way it did for Fisheye. Like maybe that's why Fisheye didn't just blow Raven away. Is that like at the mm-hmm. wrong time the Reason crashed on him and they took a you know harpoon to the chest. Um, so he's like, he could like try to hack it and debug it himself, but like, Hey, maybe there's just like a software update available. Right. Right. Yeah. So he jacks in the metaverse, goes in his office, the librarian's there. He asks him, uh, what does, was Ultima ratio region mean? And the librarian says the last argument of Kings, King Louis, the, the 14th had stamped onto the barrels of all the cannons that were forged during his reign. King Louis, the 14th will be a, a character in one of his upcoming books. Um, I, there's, I don't know, there, you can tell there's certain topics and areas that fascinate Stevenson because like, even if this book isn't about Louis the 14th, you can tell he knows something about him and then we'll, we'll learn more about him later. Like, um, a lot of his books, he'll like have like these vague interests in like kind of orbital mechanics and like space type stuff. Mm. And then you get to a book where it's like all about that, you know, it's like, oh, he's really diving into it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he walks up in his garden, his motorcycle's waiting for him, the gravel path leads to the gate. So he's just gonna like drive his his motorcycle. When I first the read this, I was like, he's just tooling around on his motorcycle. But yeah. no, he's he's driving it to Ing Security Industries, like the like office on the street. It's like a like, like a skyscraper in the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he he gets in there, gets in the elevator and goes up to the 397th floor, which I'm not sure is even I don't know. How how tall is a Burj uh Dubai? Oh, oh. 
Good question. Or like how I many don't stories? Because like 400 stories sounds pretty fucking high. Actually, let me, yeah. let me just Google that right now. Why don't you get me read? Um, because I was Googling. Uh, yeah. So he goes. The she's there. Uh, meets the receptionist demon. Um, ponders why what her racial background is, and then he realizes that um that she's meant to be half black, half Asian, which occurs to him that if a white man had gone off the elevator, then that demon would probably been a blonde. You know, a Nipponese man would have come face to face with a perky Nipponese office girl. I so, found this kind of a fascinating, like, imagine, you know, everyone's trying to get us into the metaverse. Like, I don't know if I really like this idea of, like, you're you're always greeted by your ethnicity and race. Like, I suppose for some people, um, you know, who are not, like, the majority ethnicity of, of their location, it'd be nice to see somebody who looks like you, you know? Mm, but, mm. like, would that really be a good thing for people to kind of be in their bubbles where, like, everyone they interact with is their same race? Like you could you could imagine such a world where everyone's jacked in the metaverse and and right. you know there it's like everyone An- looks anti melting like pot in the, yeah yeah well it's it's an interesting question because this is Ing's thing mm-hmm. so is this what Ing thinks people want or what he wants or is this like a defense mechanism in a way I mean it sounds like it's a encountered. surprise to Hero so it, I don't think everyone's doing this in the metaverse right well I don't I don't know how much Hero travels in these circles particularly i suppose but i mean it's like it's it's not like like the black sun like waiter damons look like this or something you know because like we're about to get that scene from the end of seinfeld where like aj pinnipacker and Art yeah. <laughs> end up in the same apartment um uh, yeah by the way the burj khalifa is 163 stories so that's that's nothing it's nothing <laughs> it's uh, like we don't even know that this is the top story this is just a story that he goes to right right so receptions asks if, if it's uh, for sales or customer service. He says customer service. So she's like, who are you with? And he's like, you name it. Right now I work for the Central Intelligence Corporation, the Mafia, and Mr. Lee's Greater Hong Kong. I see, says the receptionist, making a note. Also like a human receptionist, it is not possible to impress her. Yeah. <laughs> and what product is this in regards to? Reason. And then suddenly like another uh, woman appears behind him. She's also, you know, black, Asian uh, mix and a highly professional dress. And she's like, sir... Welcome to the insecurity industries. Like, come right this way with me. So she ushers Hero down a long, nicely paneled hallway, down another long paneled hallway, and then down another long paneled hallway. Uh, so he eventually arrives at an office, and it's Mr. Ng himself. Uh, he stands up, they swap bows, and the lady usher checks out. Yeah. And then Ng says, You work on a fish eye? As he lights up a cig, smoke swirls in the air ostentatiously. It takes much computer power really to see the model of the smoke coming out of Ng's mouth as it does to model the weather system of the entire planet. He's dead, Hero says. Reason crashed at a critical juncture and he ate a harpoon. Yeah. Uh, Ng doesn't react to that. He's, it's like he's just absorbing this data. And he says, I told him it was a beta version, Ng says, which is like such a classic kind of like. I don't computer know, like, guy? like computer guy. It's like, hey, man, I, I told him it was a fucking beta. You know, like, yeah. don't call me with problems about your fucking beta. Uh, yeah. I should have known not to use a end fighting a $2 switchblade would have served him better. And here it says, agreed. But he was quite taken with it. Ing blows out more smoke thinking, as we learn in Vietnam, high-powered weapons are so sensorily overwhelming that they're similar to psychoactive drugs like LSD, which can convince people they can fly, causing them to jump out of windows. Weapons can make people overconfident skewing their tactical judgment as is the case with fisheye and i'll be sure to remember that here it says so i think we've talked about like like hbo would be the ultimate home for a tv show with this 
Mm-hmm. I feel like the Netflix show no, version. I don't want Netflix. But I'm saying they have like the Vietnam flashback episode where Hero's dad and Uncle Enzo and Ing meet up in Vietnam. Oh, God. And it would be like episode eight and everyone would just be like, oh, man, this is just a filler episode or whatever. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't want the Netflix version of this. We'd they see just... how Fisheye lost an eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Netflix just like... I don't know. There's some, they're missing the part of the corporate structure that like gives good notes to their TV shows. Mm. So mm. everything just kind of feels like a blah, whatever. But um, did you see the uh, the trailer for The Last of Us? Or the did. teaser they put out it looks pretty good. I like the little shot of the the face, whatever the, the face clacker. is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the yeah. one time you kind of see a close up of it. So Ing wants to know, like, oh, what kind of combat environment do you want to use Reason in? He says, you need to take over an aircraft carrier tomorrow morning. The Enterprise? Yes. You know, Ing says, apparently in a conversational mood, there's a guy who actually took over a nuclear missile submarine armed with nothing more than a piece of glass. Yeah, it's the guy who killed Fisheye. I might have to tangle with him, too. Ing laughs. What is your ultimate objective? As you know, we are all in this together, so you may share your thoughts with me. I have a little more discretion in this case. Too late for that, Hero says another voice. Hero turns around. It's Uncle Enzo! <laughs> And then uh, it's a small Asian businessman who we're going to discover is a uh, Mr. Lee himself. So it's like also the, the players have all gathered except for Lagos who fucking died like immediately like yeah. in his story. Enzo has a has a striking Italian woman with him and uh, Mr. Lee has a Asian receptionist with him. Of course. Yes. Which is like, is there a point this or is it just like another little mini joke that Stevenson can't resist? Mm hmm. Um, yeah, so so Hero Bowser Uncle Enzo apologizes about the car, and Enzo tells him it's forgotten. I just I'm really sorry about the car, sir. He he drops a sir, you because know, it's Uncle Enzo. It's uh, forgotten, yeah. Uncle Enzo says. Like I just love the way he makes the mafia feel so wholesome, but still dangerous, but wholesome at the same time. You know, I feel like we're in 2022. We've lost so many great character actors who would have been the perfect Uncle Enzo. Yeah, um, and it just, it really feels like. It's like with Uncle Enzo, I think he's really captured the vibe of like, you would just hate to disappoint this guy, you know, yeah. like yeah. that would how, yeah. how embarrassing for you and for Uncle Enzo. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so it's the fucking Masters of the Universe here. Uh, so in comes out from behind his desk and they all sit in a circle. Let's cut to the chase since I assume your situation hero may have more cares than ours. Uncle Enzo says, you got that right, sir. <laughs> We all like to know what the, the hell is going constantly. on. Yeah, we all like to know what the hell is going on. Mister Lee says his English is almost devoid of a Chinese accent. Clearly, his cute daffy public image is just a front. Yeah, how much have you guys figured out so far? Here, as bits and pieces, Uncle Enzo says. How much have you figured out? Almost all of it. Once I talk to Juanita, I'll have the rest. In that case, you're in possession of some very valuable intel. Uncle Enzo says he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a hypercard and hands it to Hero. It says twenty-five million Hong Kong dollars. Hero reaches out and takes the card. Somewhere on Earth, two computers swap bursts of electronic noise. Money gets transferred from the mafia's account to Hero's. He'll take care of the split. You'll take care of the split with YT. Uncle Enzo says, "Hero nods. You bet I will." So fuck yeah, they're both rich. Yeah, even well, so, though Hero so, was working on like a massive expense account before, and this is like real money. Yeah, I say so. So Hong Kong money is like real money. Mm-hmm. It's not I, like these. Uh, what was the the uh, the thing with the Gibbers? Uh, or, or, well, um, yeah, YT's mom's obviously like don't don't try to pass off those trillion dollar bills. Yeah, yeah, the Mises. Um, and I I assume that twenty five million Hong or Kong bucks is um probably analogous to like twenty five million normal U.S. dollars in like nineteen ninety two. Yeah, know? especially nineteen ninety two. Yeah, I, I yeah. imagine which is I don't know what like fifty million today or something, but um but yeah it's 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 about that level of money which is on the one hand like that's a shit to- whole load of money like here mm-hmm. could retire but like i feel like like conspicuous wealth has gotten in like you know income gaps have gotten so disgusting now that mm-hmm. like 
25 million dollars is quote unquote like nothing these days you know to like bezos or these other billionaires you know have like yachts that cost more than that so you just you just rambled on for about two minutes there and i think bezos made 25 million dollars mm-hmm. in that time yeah yeah and then he spent it all like shockingly mediocre lord of the Rings show have you watched any of that no i want you, you to know, watch it i really you... want you to watch it so we can do a big i, I wanted to see like pop culture catch-up podcast for head cannon like Andor, Hot D, Rings of Power. Do you know the more you talk about the Rings of Power show, the less I want to watch it? You don't make it sound you fun. Watch it. You don't make it, it sound fun. It looks really good. You're like, wow, that sure looks like you spent a lot of money. Mm, mm. All right, but yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> he gets the money and that's the end of the chapter. Uh, yeah. The next chapter, obviously, is going to be the big powwow, but uh, we'll have to wait to get there until next time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we just have three episodes left, 56 through 60, 61 through 65, and then the rest, because like yep. those chapters are fairly short there. Good um, times. This is a classic Stevenson thing where his books are like, they're just like running full steam right up to the end and then they suddenly stop, you know, like mm-hmm. that was a big criticism of his early work is that like his ending sucks, which I feel like he really like addressed that with, um, the Baroque cycle. It's like that that there's like a, a very long drawn out like it's like you're you're getting your money's worth out of this ending guys like stop bugging me type of a thing you know i see i'd be fat i can't wait till we dive into the diamond age because i thought the ending was great it's very abrupt though yeah if yeah. i recall i mean it's but been, it, it hits that's the one yeah, on the right now most recently I, i'm pretty sure i've read all of his other books more recently in the diamond age but the diamond age is like until anathan the diamond age was my favorite so i'm, I'm really looking forward to that the Diamond Age might also kill us, just for the level of uh, the lexicon that oh, we're yeah. gonna, the vocab words we're gonna be adding to people and to ourselves. Yeah, but yeah, this I don't know. This little section here, I mean, obviously the the big punchline of of YT and her dentata was part of it, but just this like insane like action scene to get to the rafts. Like, I feel like he's been Stevenson's been building up the idea of the raft in the book the whole way through and that the fact that there's like movies made about it, you know, mm. and it's a scary place. And I think it's, it's living up to it so far. The whole like creepy, like grease ball, you know, like uh fake fuel trap they, they drove into and whatnot. Mm. Like, well, and just imagine, imagine as a TV show episode, the last time we left off heroes on his way to the raft, Mm-hmm. Imagine starting the episode with this fucking crazy action sequence, oh, yeah. but then ending it like with this powwow. I feel like it's such an inverse of what you expect from a TV show. Like it would be so. I mean, they would probably end it with like Uncle Enzo and Mister Lee showing up, and then yeah, like, yeah. next episode where yeah, yeah. All right, good times. All right, yeah, we'll be back next time to talk about chapters fifty-six through sixty, Snow Crash. If you want to support the pod or just curious about what the fuck we get up to in our own creative pursuits, my name is Trouble.com. And go check out our little double album of the book, Trouble Takes a Holiday. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.